So but I have more to hear because finally I said, I got to go to bed. Um, but very excited, on fire, you might say, uh, and the things that they shared, uh, that she shared with me that they learned and, and uh, saw and some ideas, it's going to be exciting. So uh, just pray for God and the plans he has for this congregation. I want to read a message real quick um, from Linda Clifford and, and uh, Christy kind of gave us an update. But Linda and I are texting buddies. We talk several times a day. And I told her I'd read this message, she said last night. She says, just a short update. I'm doing well, but still not weight-bearing on my right leg and will be for at least three more weeks, possibly more. My worst problem is getting up the steps. Please tell everyone I really appreciate the prayers and positive thoughts sent my way. I'm also extremely thankful that my injuries were not nearly as bad as they could have been. I'm sure God was watching over me, and I'm equally sure that the prayers have aided in how well my healing seems to be progressing. Please ask everyone to keep up the prayers, and I'll be back as soon as possible. So keep praying for Linda. Um, she's got a, got a long road to go, but doing well so far. So two weeks ago, we talked about spiritual eyesight, and we talked about our vision. What is your spiritual vision in 2020? The goal for our physical eyesight is 2020. We go to the doctor, we take eye tests, we wear corrective lenses to get our vision to 2020. What goals do we have for our spiritual vision? Do we pray to see people the way Jesus sees people? We talked, started talking about this last week. There are many, or two weeks ago, there are many ways that the world, and many ways that Satan, try to cloud our vision. And greed is one of those ways. Greed is something that we all struggle with. Even though we might be generous people, we still, as human beings, struggle and fight greed. Greed is seeing something that we want and allowing it to take control of us. Greed is having too much focus on things that don't matter and not enough focus on the things that do. Jesus wants us to have vision full of light, but not just light like the bulbs in this room, his light. He wants our perspective, as Rob said, to be on eternal matters, not earthly matters. And we know he tells us where our treasure is, there our hearts will be also. Where is your treasure this morning? It's a personal question we need to ask ourselves. How do we fight greed in our lives and have better spiritual vision? Well, first of all, we have to check our preoccupation. Do you ever get preoccupied with anything, or is that just me? Do y'all ever deal with that? I have to guard my mind a lot. I have to guard my heart a lot with the preoccupation to get stuff and spend money. And this preoccupation can come to us in so many ways. Maybe we are constantly concerned with what the stock market has done over the last hour. Do you guys know people like that? Oh, it's up. Oh, it's down. We talk about that. We hear that. Maybe we're preoccupied with the latest electronics or gadgets or going to the latest stores. It can show up a lot in our conversations. What do you talk about? What you talk about with other people is a big indication of what you're occupied with or what you're preoccupied with. We talk about things like our accounts and our savings or things we want to buy. We need to examine our conversations. We should ask ourselves, when I go to bed in the morning and when I get up, well, when I go to bed at night and get up in the morning, I'm a little bit off schedule here. My wife's been gone for a week, so... Um, <laughs> Getting through as best I can. But when you go to bed at night, what's on your mind? When you get up in the morning, what's on your mind? Is it stuff? Is it money? Is it work? Mrs. Aarons was a fifth grade school teacher. 
she had a student named Terry. And Terry, even in the fifth grade, was a pretty talented musician. And Terry's parents had just got him a new drum set. And when Mrs. Aarons would call on Terry in class, he'd always seem lost. And she would tell him, Terry, stop thinking about that new drum set and focus on your work. You see, Mrs. Aarons understood the preoccupation that things can have when regard, with regard to our focus. And the problem is, when we're preoccupied with things, it takes our focus away from Jesus, doesn't it? It takes our focus away from God. We never want that to happen. This is a new year. We have resolutions, we have plans, we have goals. The Bible encourages us with what Gibson just read for us in 2 Corinthians 4.18. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Hebrews 12.2 tells us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. To have better spiritual eyesight, ask yourself, what am I preoccupied with? And secondly, we have to check our attitudes when it comes to money. i got to guard my heart every day against loving money. Our culture idolizes money, right? Does everybody agree with that? That's our culture. It idolizes it. An employee on strike carried the following sign. It said, time heals all wounds. Time and a half heals them faster. Our culture loves money. But the Bible warns us in 1 Timothy 6.10, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. The Bible doesn't oppose money. The Bible doesn't oppose wealth. But God's, the Bible tells us God is opposed to the love of money, lusting after money and stuff, being greedy. Why is the love of money the root of all kinds of evil? you ever thought about that question? I think one reason is because it can never fulfill us. Money can never complete us. And no matter how much money we have, what do we want? More, right? Money's not designed to fulfill us. So do we have the proper attitude when it comes to money? We want to ask ourselves questions like, do I have a strong desire to be around people with money? Do I act differently when I'm around folks that I consider to be rich? The Bible talks about such an attitude in James chapter 2, verses 2 through 5. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? You see, I've been in many churches where I've seen this occur. I've got to tell you, I've not seen that here. This, this church is awesome when it comes to helping people and keeping things in its proper perspective. But we can always grow, right? We can always build on this. If we act differently towards folks we view as rich, then we need to ask ourselves, what is my attitude when it comes to money? 
because these can be signs of poor spiritual eyesight, indications that maybe our focus isn't in the right place. And also ask yourself when we talk about attitude, am I dissatisfied? Because if you're dissatisfied in life, you're subject to having your focus shifted. Tom Eisenman wrote a book called Temptations Men Face. And he says that advertisers have two basic methods in every advertisement. Every advertisement you see, they're trying to tell you, number one, you don't yet have all the things you need to be happy. And secondly, what you have is not good enough. And if an advertiser can make you believe you don't have what you need to be happy and the things you have aren't good enough, then you're more likely to buy their product. The Bible helps us, though, with our attitude toward these things. Ecclesiastes 6.9 tells us, Better what the eye sees than the roving of the appetite. This, too, is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. To bust greed, to focus our spiritual eyesight, we got to check our preoccupation with things and our attitude when it comes to money. And also, we got to check our spending. Oh, I'm stepping on toes here. My toes are sore already, right? What do we spend our money on? Tony Stowers stood here many years ago, and he said the following. If you want to see what's really important to you, pull up your online banking account and see where your money's going. And that'll tell you what you value my house, we value Mexican food a lot, right? But seriously, do that exercise. Money can be used for lots of good things like chips and salsa. They're free. But it can also be used for a lot of bad things, a lot of destructive things, addictions and lusts and so forth. Do we purchase things in an attempt to make us happy? Have you ever come home from work after a bad day and just gone wild on Amazon.com because you had a bad day? Yeah, it happens. There's a term called retail therapy. It's where we use the buying of stuff to somehow make us feel better. If we do this, we've got to ask ourselves, where is our focus? What about shopping? Oh, this is a tough one for me. Shopping is the great American pastime. It used to be baseball, but now it's shopping, right? Do we go shopping just for the sake of shopping, or do we go with a goal? I came across an article a while back and just kind of filed it away. But the guy in this article writes about three tips when you go shopping. And I'm not very good at doing these things, by the way, but I wanted to share them with you because I think they're very practical. First tip is, he says, don't go shopping just for the sake of shopping. Have a goal when you go and get what you went for. Secondly, he says, pray to God before you go. God already knows everything you're going to be tempted to buy when you get to the store. Asking for wisdom. Asking for discernment. Ask him to help you stay focused. And the third thing, he says, resist the temptation to charge. Right? We love credit cards in America, don't we? You know, uh, David Smith, my dad's cousin, he was, a, he, he was a former assistant attorney general in Kentucky. And when I was getting ready to graduate law school, Felinda and I were engaged, and he invited us to come down and tour his office, and he, was going to, he offered me a job there. And so we went down, and we toured his office, and as we were getting ready to leave, he said, now I know you guys are going to get married in a couple months, and i got two pieces of advice for you in your marriage. Number one, talk to God every day. And number two, never carry a credit card balance. Pretty good advice, right? But hard to do. 
here's the point, though. Does our spiritual vision have us seeking God's help when we make financial decisions? Do we go to God when we make these calls? Or do we kind of separate him from these things and shut him out from such issues? There's a lot of wisdom in this. There's a lot more, even more wisdom, though, in what Luke chapter 12, verse 15 says. Jesus says, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. You know, if you're here today and you're kind of in and out with your focus, I've been there, right? If you take nothing else away from today's lesson, take away the words of Jesus. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Church, that's contrary to everything our culture tells us. It's contrary to everything we see on TV. It's contrary to everything about our society. But God's society, God's kingdom, he reminds us life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. You know what life does consist of? A life with Jesus Christ. Being a follower of his. To have better spiritual eyesight. Check our spending. See where we are. And number four, always give thanks. No one is a truly a self-made man or woman. Do you all agree with me? Nobody is self-made. If you are the best farmer the world has ever known, you still didn't make the dirt and you don't send the rain, right? If you're the best CEO America has ever had, you still didn't get yourself to where you are on your own. It's many people around you. It's God sending these people into your lives to build you up to where you are. When we think about stuff, possessions, worldly things, we've got to always keep it the proper perspective. Remember, everything we have comes from God. We always want to give credit where credit is due. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 tells us, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. To help us have better spiritual eyesight, we have to always give thanks. And number five, we've got to maintain the appropriate priorities in our life. You know, I need to guard against the tendency in my life to make work more important than following God, right? Do my children see me worried more about work or about studying God's Word? Where's my focus? This is hard for me. If I'm to be a follower of Jesus, nothing can be more important than Him to me. Here's a question I want us all to kind of ask ourselves internally. How did this week go for us? How was this week? Was this a good week? Was this a bad week? Was it a mediocre week? Was it a horrible week? Was it a fantastic week? Just rate your week to yourself. And if this week wasn't what you wanted it to be, ask yourself how you started your day. Just kind of analyze how you started your days. Did you hit the snooze 15 times, rush through your shower, throw the kids out the door and race to work? I had a few of those days, yeah, I did. Or, or did you stop and start your day at the feet of God? Going to him in prayer, seeking his wisdom, seeking his peace, seeking his strength we talked about in class this morning. Those days that I get up and rush through my life and maybe it's late, late in the day before I even see God, i got to ask myself internally, what is so important in my life that it pulls my focus away from him? Because when we ask those questions, there's really only, only one answer. Nothing. 
nothing is more important than that. If we missed a day of laying down our lives before God, we've wasted a day. We've wasted a day of seeing the blessings he wants to send us. We've wasted a day of seeing the opportunities he has for us. You know, our church takes such good advantage of the opportunities God has through the the drug support programs and the ministries and the street ministries and the Christ Kitchen and the clothing closet, food pantry. And and these are just the things we know about church. There's a lot more that goes on, sending food to people in need, being there. There's so many good things going on here. Jesus reminds us of our priorities and how important they are in Matthew 6, 21. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where is your treasure today? Where's my treasure? You know, to have better spiritual eyesight, we want to maintain the appropriate priorities in our life. You know, many years ago, there's an American company that had a plant in Panama in South America. And they had laborers that worked there. And these laborers lived in a barter society. And the company paid them in cash. But that was a big problem. Because after a week's worth of work, the employees were handed more cash than they'd ever seen at one time. And they were completely satisfied and didn't come back. That's a big problem for the plant. So you know what the solution was? The next payday when they gave the employees their cash, they also gave them a Sears catalog. And after that, no one quit. Because in that book, they'd seen things they could never imagine of. And it just kept working so they could get them. The focus changed, and so did their priorities. Not so sure those plant workers in Panama had it all wrong. Amen? Amen. I frequently get concerned about my focus because there's so many things, so so many objects and interests and people and, and circumstances that compete for my time, compete for my efforts, compete for my loyalty. Maybe you struggle with that today too. If we want to have better spiritual eyesight in 2020, if we want to have the good eye that makes the body full of Christ's life, if we want to say, I don't want anything to cloud my vision, then we just need to ask ourselves, what is it that's getting in our way? What situation needs our attention right now? Maybe you're preoccupied thinking too much about stuff. Maybe it's the love of money. Maybe it's uncontrolled spending. Maybe it's not giving thanks because we believe we're self-made. Maybe it's priorities that pull you away from service to God. It could be these things we've talked about. It could be something completely different. But whatever it is, the solution's the same. Pray to God about it. Go before his throne. Lay it all out before him. And I promise you this, he will help us become the people he wants us to be. Amen? He'll give us opportunities to serve him in ways maybe we've never even imagined. Where is our focus? Are we working toward 2020 spiritual vision That should be our goal. Now, will we ever have 2020 spiritual vision? No. If you think you can, then I'll sit down because I'd like to hear it, right? We'll never have perfect spiritual vision. But the goal is to be better today than we were yesterday. To grow in our faith and to grow in our walk. But it all starts with becoming a Christian. Have you put Jesus on in baptism? To have your sins washed away? To have your life changed? To have his spirit dwelling in you? It's impossible to have the spiritual vision God wants you to have if you're not covered by his blood, if you don't have his spirit dwelling in you. And that spirit 
is what helps us do all these things we've talked about. On our own, we can't do any of this. But it's only through God's presence, his power, and his grace in our lives that we can become more and more like his son every single day. You know, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, don't leave here like that. We'd love to help you with that. We would love to help you receive Jesus so that you have him in your life, to help you through your struggles here, so that you have the promise and the hope of an eternal life with him in heaven forever. Because all this stuff we worry about, one day it's going to be over. We have the promise and the hope of an eternal home forever. If there's anyone here this morning who has a need, that's what your church family is here for. We'd love to help you now as we stand and sing.